This is Live Well Talk on COVID-19. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health, St. Luke's. Uh, today's podcast, I'm going to give an update on the status of the Omicron, as well as uh, testing and uh, what we're seeing in the hospital and drift slightly into the monoclonal antibody uh, shortage and how we're addressing that. Uh, also, at the end, I'll uh, get into another issue or another session of our mailbag and we'll answer some outstanding questions from our uh, very intelligent listeners. What we're seeing in the hospital, and I think this is a good sign, we're seeing hospitalizations stay steady with cases in the county going up. And so what that tells me is that the Omicron variant is causing illness, but not hospitalization. And we, we, we have about two or three weeks of data that shows a trajectory of the cases going up, but the hospitalization staying flat, if not actually decreased a little bit. And I think that's a very good sign uh, that Omicron may be nature's natural vaccine, uh, giving a mild illness that conveys some degree of natural immunity. Now in the mailbag session, we'll talk a little bit more about natural immunity, uh, but uh, I think Omicron provides a glimmer of hope that uh, this uh, pandemic may be transitioning to endemic uh, at some juncture in the near future. And by near future, I mean in the next six months. Now, what's the bad, what's the downside of that? Is those cases going up, we have a lot of staff that is out ill. Um, you know, I think it was 156 today or yesterday. Uh, that And Mercy has a, a proportionally a number uh, similar. Uh, they have a smaller uh, staff than we do, but uh, that, that, that puts a lot of strain on a department. I mean, you have a critical care department uh, with, X number of nurses and three or four of them, five of them are out sick. That puts a really uh, significant strain on that uh, service line. And uh, the, the that is being felt by our staff and we're doing our best. Um, I do want to give a podcast shout out or uh, thank gratefulness, a message of gratitude to Link County Anesthesia, our anesthesiologists that serve the community. Uh, they have really stepped up and helped out with the respiratory therapy, and I'm very thankful for that, and so are our team members. Now, Omicron. So, as of December 18th, 2021, so less right at a month ago, there was no Omicron in the water supply here, at, here in Cedar Rapids water, municipal water supply. The, the excuse me, the wastewater, there was none detected. Now, December 31st, Lynn County Public Health reported that 20% of the virus in the community was Omicron, the rest of it Delta. This week, it's 100% Omicron. So it has climbed, not necessarily exponentially, but significantly fast in the community. And as I stated before, I think the Omicron is providing a degree of illness without hospitalization, which is good. We stayed busy at the hospital, and this goes back to, I've said this before, that we suspended healthcare for six months in 2020 into, into 2021. And uh, that tsunami of illness is playing catch up uh, or is coming into a presentation from diabetes and heart disease that wasn't treated. That with the additional surgical procedures that were delayed that need to be caught up. And then on top of that, you find these breakthrough cases in the Omicron variant. If I could go back in time and was king for a day, uh, I would have given 
and I'm known that the vaccines were going to wear off. I would have probably delayed vaccination until the fall, and that would have got us through the winter, and we'd be in a different scenario. So what we what we've had is really the vaccines dropping off in efficacy uh, at the time that your winter census is going up with other coughs, colds, and other uh, flu-like conditions. Speaking of flu or influenza, uh, influenza uh, is um, uh, in the community. Fifty-eight cases the week before, and sixty-four today, with only all of them. Are Influenza A, one of them is influenza B. The RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, is uh, relatively low compared to past years. And uh, no hospitalizations for influenza as of this podcast that I'm aware of. Now, Pfizer recently came out with uh, a news release or a tweet, if you will, uh, that they would be working on an Omicron vaccine or an Omicron booster that would cover the vaccine. Now, I'm not so sure that's going to be of need because I think it might go through the community so fast by the time they got it to market. We've all had it. Uh, seeing a lot of breakthrough cases, seeing patients that are fully vaccinated, boosted, and still getting the Omicron. But I do want to correct one thing. You see this uh, in some of the press and some of the talking heads on, depending what news station you're watching or listening to on talk radio, they'll say that being vaccinated makes you more susceptible to Omicron. That's not true. Being vaccinated, you're protected from Delta. Therefore, if you have a breakthrough, it's probably going to be Omicron. So that's 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 not a fair comparison. Um, and vaccination still uh, prevents death. It prevents funerals or it curtails the number of funerals that are going to take place. And I still strongly support the vaccination with the booster if you can. Um, my as some of you know, and I've spoken in the past, I have a daughter that plays college basketball, and the NCAA is actually changing uh, their definition of fully vaccinated to, uh, if you don't have the booster, it's J&J, you're fully vaccinated for two months, Pfizer, five months, Moderna, six months. Uh, and I did, did, I think I read also they shortened the duration on the Moderna uh, booster. So booster, if you're boosted, then you're completely vaccinated. So that is a change. So that will have some testing and we'll have to get uh, Elizabeth a, uh, a booster. I want to talk about the monoclonal antibodies. Uh, monoclonal antibodies I've been uh, touting on podcasts and interviews and to my colleagues for quite some time. Um, they are an antibody that protects someone that has COVID from being placed in a hospital. And we were having a very busy but uh, efficient and successful service line of administering these antibodies in the old internist PC building here in Cedar Rapids, and things were going quite well. But then the Omicron variant, which is resistant to the combination antibody we were using, for example, the Regeneron, um, it, it prevented us from going ongoing, give ongoing use of the Regeneron, uh, and so we had to switch to Sotrivimab. Uh, that is monoclonal antibody, uh, and uh, unfortunately, or 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 realist, pragmatically, or practically, I guess the best description is we had six doses. That's six, um, with over 150 orders. We're using the National Institute of Health tiering uh, uh, criteria. Tier one and two are eligible, and it, it essentially uh, directs us to giving the unvaccinated who are at the most risk of hospitalization, and the um, those with high risk medical conditions including but not limited to over the age of 65. Uh, there is a new 
uh, monoclonal antibody coming on the market. Uh, uh, Evusheld, uh, E-V-U-S-H-E-L-D, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, but uh, that can be given intramuscular, a shot, as prophylaxis for those who have not uh, had an adequate immune response to uh, the uh, the vaccinate vaccines. Uh, for example, people on active chemotherapy, and we have a range for some of that. Patients on a solid organ transplant, uh, those those are candidates, and we're going to be making arrangements for them to get that. Actually, I think some have received it today. Other other things in the news I think that are kind of interesting is uh, one is the CDC now notes that cloth masks uh, aren't effective, which we've been saying that for a while. And uh, also that patients are in the hospital with COVID, but not necessarily because of COVID. Now, I, I interpret that, that a little different uh, in saying that if you have multiple medical conditions, you get COVID. COVID, you may have succumbed to those chronic medical conditions, but COVID didn't allow you to uh, uh, survive the illness. Those, those medical conditions didn't allow you to survive COVID. So, so it, 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 it is related, and I, I think I wouldn't piece that apart too much other than some of the pediatric hospitalizations. Um, but from a data gathering standpoint, um, it's really, well, all we really had at one juncture was just the results of testing. So you could have a car wreck, uh, be admitted for whatever trauma you sustained, test positive for COVID, perhaps asymptomatic, uh, and be counted as COVID admission. Um, and, and and I can understand why people say, well, this exaggerates the total numbers. Yes, I agree. But also remember that from a resource standpoint, our staff was, even if you're that trauma car wreck admitted with COVID, we're using the mask, we're using the gowns, and uh, we're using the N95, we're using the pappers if you don't have an N95 that can fit. So we're taking all those precautions, and that does consume resources and time for our staff. So uh, it, it is worthwhile to monitor for those. And then the going uh, healthcare providers going from 10 days to five days, uh, that's not quite as simple as it sounds, uh, but, but that has been put in effect, and, and uh, the hospital leadership is working to get people back back in the back in the trenches, as uh, one might say. That's the end of the COVID-19 update for today. Stick around and we'll be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back to the mailbag. The mailbag is a segment of the podcast where I answer questions that's submitted by our outstanding listeners. Uh, and uh, the first one is from Alexa. When do you think masking will go away? And is there a certain metric we need to reach? The CDC uh, issued indoor masking um, recommendations uh, when a community is in high transmission. And if we can get down to moderate transmission for 10 days, uh, then that is uh, a time when we can stop masking. Moderate transmission would be 10 to 50 cases per 100,000 and a positivity rate of 5 to 7.9%. Right now, uh, our testing at St. Luke's has a positivity rate this morning of roughly 42%. And I believe we're in around the 800 mark of cases per 100,000. So we actually have a long ways to go until we're back into the moderate phase. I would plan on wearing a isolation mask if uh, wear it appropriately, don't touch it, use it once, as we've said before. And I would plan on doing that at least until uh, March 1 at this time, hopefully. We'll follow those metrics and, and we can curtail them when we reach that moderate transmission range. Uh, and those numbers for Lane County. The next question is from Cam. 
Will booster shots become a yearly thing? Maybe. Um, if there's a natural reservoir for COVID, SARS-2, then we may end up with a phenomenon similar to um, influenza. It's difficult to compare COVID to influenza because they're two different viruses, and I think it's wrong to to take our experience with influenza and think that it's going to actually match with COVID. So it's hard to say. But if if it indeed did come from a lab leak in Wuhan, uh, and then that means might mean there's no natural reservoir, and so this this may just become pandemic fades away, and we don't have to deal with it. If it does become endemic, we may have to have booster shots. Uh, but if we do have booster shots, it's going to be for the high risk, those over the age of 65. It, it, it will be we'll, we'll have enough resources and we'll have enough experience with it that we'll, we'll be more strategic and target those that are at the highest risk, uh, similar to what we do with influenza vaccination. The next question is from Karina. Do we know how long natural immunity lasts? Once it wanes, do you still have amount of immunity or are you theoretically at the same risk you were previously to your first COVID infection? This is a great question. And you notice lecturers always say, or professors in college, they say it's a great question when they're not too sure about the answer. And so this is a great question because I'm not too sure about the answer. I don't have a definitive answer. Natural immunity with COVID we know can last up to a year, and that's because of the Cleveland Clinic's data that, that last up until that time. The concern with respiratory viruses is that they change, become variants, and so you might not have as much immunity to the next variant. That's why we get the common cold over and over again, because it, it changes ever so slightly. Natural immunity, however, getting the infection and then having natural immunity, uh, I think there, that is superior over the virus, or excuse me, over the vaccine for this reason. The vaccine is creating antibodies just to the spike protein. The having the infection, you have antibodies to the spike protein, the M protein, the capsular antigen. You have more uh, cellular and humoral antibodies, uh, T cells and B cells uh, that m m remember that and, and do protect you. And there's always a little overlap protection. So you're never back to the same risk you were from the beginning. Now we've seen, a, I've seen up until about four weeks ago, I was familiar with maybe two or three cases of people that had COVID-19 and then got it a second time within a year. There may have been others. I'm just ones that I'm familiar with. Not now it's everybody has it and they're boosted and vaccinated, not everybody, but they're vaccinated and boosted and they're still getting the breakthrough. And that reflects the transmission of Omicron. Uh, fortunately, as we said in the podcast update today, that that does uh, uh, portend or, or or foreshadow that perhaps uh, this may be ending the uh, end of the pandemic as the Omicron causes illness, but yet not hospitalization. And we can only hope. So that's all for the mailbag today. If you'd like to submit a question in the mailbag, go to unionpoint.org backslash mailbag. I'll answer questions about COVID-19, the latest technologies, what's going on in the hospital, follow up to old podcasts. If I said something that you want clarification, please don't hesitate to do that. And I'm always willing to take questions about Unipoint Health and the service lines here in Cedar Rapids and uh, how proud I am of my colleagues uh, with their innovation. They, they never cease to amaze me. Please note, however, the mailbag is not an alternative to medical uh, care. If you have a medical condition, uh, please address that with your primary care 
uh, provider, uh, if it is uh, an urgent concern in urgent care and an emergent concern, always dial 911 or go to the nearest emergency room. Once again, you can submit your questions to me at unipoint.org backslash mailbag. That's common spelling of mailbag, M-A-I-L-B-A-G. I look forward to hearing from you, our amazing listeners. Thank you for listening to COVID-19 Update. For the latest on COVID-19 vaccine information and more, visit unipoint.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.